0: Right.
1: Press Box Banter is the Daily Iowans' weekly sports podcast. This week's edition features Brandi Britt, a 2015 graduate of the University of Iowa's School of Journalism and Mass Communications and the Director of Social Media and Digital Strategy for UI Athletics. She shares how Hawkeye Athletics go about promoting teams of all sizes and how she's been sounding the alarm for women's basketball years
2: before Caitlin Clark.
0: Welcome back to another edition of Press Box Banter. This is Colin Votzmeyer, the assistant sports editor, and Mr. Getting Evicted.
3: (laughs) I will not be getting getting evicted because I just paid my my rent. And my name is Matt. I'm the pregame editor.
2: And I'm Kenna. I'm the sports editor.
0: We are recording this on Tuesday, October 31st. It is Halloween. And I think we should uh, maybe... Just maybe get the elephant out of the room. Um, Hawkeye fans woke up yesterday. They knocked on Kirk Ferentz's door. They said trick-or-treat, and um, what they got was the quote-unquote firing of Brian Ference by the end of the season. I guess that would be the official way to put it. Um, Brian Ferentz is going to finish out this year through the bowl um, in January, I would assume. Um, and then he is technically out the door, most likely out the door, according to athletic director
3: Beth Getz. Yeah, Monday there were rumors swirling about him resigning effective immediately, but that eventually turned into by I think it was like two two in the afternoon of that day, um, October thirtieth. Um, there was an email statement, um, from Beth Getz, um, saying yes, Brian Ferentz will not be with the Hawkeyes. Next year, he will stay with them as the offensive coordinator through this current season and the bowl game. But next year, he will be gone. And, yeah, um, it set off. There were some – he had the celebrations on X. Everyone was – fans were relieved, to say the least. But, I mean, at the same time, there were some who were more concerned and even agitated about the timing of this all. And in my my opinion, from what I've seen, I just feel that – the only reason um, that email was even sent from Beth Getz was that this information was leaked and that there were the rumors swirling around. I think if the room, if those rumors never get out, Iowa holds off and says and announces about Brian after the last regular season game, before the bowl game. Um, yeah, I just think it. it um, they made the right PR move in this situation by putting that email out rather than letting those rumors those rumors keep persisting and boiling up
2: yeah I agree with that um I mean as it is I mean this whole season Brian's 25 point per game you know thing in his contract has been a distraction I mean Iowa's offense is just bad and it's been a laughing stock like nationally this whole year so I don't really think This coming out and saying that Brian's gone at the end of the season is really any more of a distraction than there already was. And I think maybe fans now knowing that Brian will be gone at the end of the season, maybe it'll stop the chance of fire Brian at games and stuff like that because they have that clarity that he will be gone. And I think that's what Beth kind of said in the statement um, for why she kind of did it now, but I also think that it – came out now because it was leaked and they couldn't just let i mean i think it would have been worse if they would have just waited until the end of the season when everyone already knew that something was going to happen um what was the
0: sentiment in the press conference
2: well they they both they both really didn't say much it was very
0: they both as in beth
2: and beth kirk. and kirk so kirk was up at the podium and he talked for about 30 minutes and then beth she didn't go up to the podium they just decided that it would be better for everyone to just crowd around her which was i'm yeah, not it was a little weird
0: yeah fire the security <laughs> officer
2: beth talked for like 5 minutes and a lot of it was um, i'm not going to go into any of the details about like the timeline of the decision someone asked if you know, the Minnesota game and that offensive performance was like the deal breaker and kind of went into this decision. Um, She didn't answer that. She didn't clarify when, when this all was decided and like when the conversations took place and what was said in those conversations. She just said, um, she literally said, we just looked at what, was right in front of us, which is obviously a terrible offense that is ranked last in the country. And she didn't say that, but, you know, I added that in there. But um, she said, looking at what's right in front of us, and we decided that would be best for short and long term of the program. And honestly, I I agree with the decision. I can completely understand why some people are upset that it was announced midseason. Totally understand that. Um, but... Whether it was during the midseason or after the season, I think getting rid of Brian is the right decision. Um, And honestly, I mean, some people don't think this. This is just my opinion. I honestly think Kirk's not going to be here next year.
0: Um, This is the end of Kirk Ferentz.
2: That's that's what I think, but I I could be completely wrong. But Beth also said – like the next OC that would be Kirk's job and so that would be Kirk's job to find the next OC and I'm like well Kirk I feel like Kirk would just pick someone that's already on staff like John Budmeyer to be the OC and next year if that happens absolutely nothing would change I don't think anything is going to change until Kirk Ferentz is gone because you know it's not it's it's overall it's his program it's his offense um, at the end of the day and it's just his Old traditional style of football that Iowa has always ran, but like this is the last year of Big Ten West, um which is the worst conference in college football right now um and six and two looks nice, but it has nothing to do with how the offense has been the defense has saved Iowa's butt multiple times, and we saw during the Minnesota game that that isn't always gonna happen. You're not gonna beat you know, the powerhouse teams or be a national contender ever if you can't score points. That's just how it works nowadays. And, um, if Iowa wants to compete for a national championship, they need coaching changes and, um, yeah.
0: Did anyone ask Beth questions about football? Like Beth, what do you think about the run game going into this weekend? What's it like to play at Wrigley? No, that was, was all, none of the
2: questions. It was all it was all, Brian all about Brian Ferentz, yes.
3: Someone did ask Kirk about baseball, though, and he gave an iconic quote. Baseball is baseball. I like baseball.
2: He did. That was, was probably the, I mean, that was like he smiled during that. That was pretty most upbeat part of the conference. The, what?
3: Yeah, he was. That was probably the happiest moment of the press, conferences, of the press conference. I remember talking with you kind of earlier. You said that Kirk just didn't look very happy.
2: I, I mean, I don't think Kirk wanted Brian Ferry. Oh my God. I don't think Kirk wanted Brian fired period. Um, I mean, I just, and plus it's Kirk has said for years, they don't make coaching changes or like decisions like this in the middle of the season. That's always been a thing. He said, we want to evaluate at the end of the season. Um, so I think, Part of it is that he was pr- he's probably upset that it came out during midseason and he thinks that's, you know, a bigger distraction for the players. This week, I mean, we're supposed to be able to talk to players every Tuesday. This week it was just Kirk because Kirk said he wanted to be the only voice of the program and not have the players be bombarded with questions about Brian and he just wanted the team to focus on the game, which is completely understandable. Right. Um, and I completely get it because I know – if we were to talk with the players, especially the offensive players, it would all be about Brian. Um, and I mean, we'll talk, media will get to talk with the players after the game on Saturday, and I'm sure some of those questions will still come up, but it's still so fresh that I think it was probably a, a good idea to not have the players come out today. But I think it it's a combination of, you know, it's his son, and it's its hard just I mean, he said it's hard for any coach, you know, to let go. But, like, especially with like with your son, you have a special kind of different relationship with them. And I think anyone would kind of be upset, no matter what circumstances it happened under, if, like, your son was fired or let go. I mean, I, I'm sure they enjoy coaching together just because it's, like, a good dad-son relationship. Um, but also I think... He's probably a little upset just that it happened in the middle of the season because he's always said he likes to evaluate things at the end of the season.
0: Might I add Godfather Part 1? Uh, Michael sure? Michael Corleone yeah. said to Tom, it's not personal. It's just business. Insert, insert clip. <laughs> insert clip in podcast.
3: That's one way to put it, Colin. Um, hey, Al Pacino said it himself. Yeah, I just said yeah. Based off um, what Ken was saying, yeah, I feel like just Kirk, things aren't going his way in this past year. Um, you know, he didn't want someone let go midseason. It happened. You know, he he. Um, Cade McNamara. Yeah, a lot of things haven't gone his way this season. Um, some of which, most of which, he can't control. But I feel like the one thing he sort of. Could control was maybe Brian being on staff, but you know, nepotism laws in Iowa work so that um, Beth, the right, the athletic director, is technically Brian's boss and not yes. Kirk.
2: Right? Yes, Brian reports directly to Beth. And when Gary Bardo was here, Brian reported directly to Gary Bardo because, yeah, he can't report directly to Ference because it's his dad. Um, what was I going to say?
0: Can we talk about how ballsy of a move this is of Beth Gets?
2: That's actually what I was going to yeah. say. <laughs> um I Okay, first I want to bring up um an Instagram story post by Drake Kulik who was a former fullback at Iowa. He is wa- on the podcast of the washed up walk-ons, which is Tyler Kluver, Drake Kulik and Kevin Ward was on there for a while. It was three football players. They were walk-ons here at Iowa. They've I mean Drake especially, he was a fullback so he was coached by Brian and he he really likes Brian, which I understand he was his coach. So obviously they have a different relationship. He really likes him. He posted something on His Instagram story, um, calling Beth a coward and saying that having it being announced midseason was BS, which I understand why people would think being announced midseason is a bad thing. But I think calling her a coward, like she is the farthest thing from a coward. You are, I mean, Gary Barta, this is something Gary Barta, he was the AD for how long? Something that he never had the balls to do. And Beth comes in here as an interim. She hasn't even got the job yet. And she, you know, she told the longest-tenured head coach in FBS, I'm getting rid of your son. Like, that is the farthest thing from a coward. Take the
3: interim tag off.
2: I I agree.
3: Yeah, someone did ask her about that, if she was going to be the full-time AD. Obviously, it wasn't her place to answer. But, yeah, she she kept it simple, though. She said, like, I'm not quoting exactly, but paraphrasing, but I'm trying to do what's in the best interest of the Iowa football team and i think everyone can see what she did that was in the best interest
2: yeah and i know when president wilson had an exclusive interview with the di and she was asked about beth and she said when she hired beth as interim she told her like don't think about the interim tag just do your job as an athletic director would and that's what she's done and i mean honestly i think i think i mean i think that she will be the next ad um and some people were questioning, like, if she even has the authority to make such a big decision because she's just the interim. But, I mean, you – I mean, if she doesn't make the decision, who else is going to? Uh, that That is her job. She is the AD, even if there's an interim tag in front of it. And um, I think she made that decision knowing in the back of her head that she was going to be the full-time AD. Um, but, yeah, that is, that is a big move for um, – to make and I mean you're gonna have you're not gonna please everyone there's people that are upset no matter what you could do um but I think at the end of the day it was the right decision to get rid of Brian and I don't think it was just her choice I mean she had to have a ton of pressure from donors too who pay so much money to Iowa football and you know keep the program afloat with their donations and I mean you just the fan base I would say the majority of the fan base does not like Brian and you know I don't really but I mean I don't even think that it's really conforming to the pressure because those people whatever Drake also said mob mentality that she's conforming to the mob mentality I think the mob um, is anyone with a set of eyes that can see that the Iowa offense is terrible and that something needs to change.
0: I'm going to, let me give you my Beth Getz take, and it has nothing to do with football. Why? You're saying, oh boy, but it's actually a positive okay, thing. Okay, okay. Um, has anyone ever told you you look like Candace's boyfriend from Phineas and Ferb?
3: <laughs> what? Yes or no? Wait, me? Yeah. Well, this is not a Beth Gets. I know, all. this is a tangent.
0: <laughs> yes or no? No. Okay.
3: <laughs> what's, what's the guy's name, Jeremy? He doesn't wear glasses. What are you going off about? If I pulled up the
0: picture, you would look <laughs> no, like him. No. Pull up the picture. No. Go ahead. Beth He's Gets can wait. an animated wait. person. So are you. <laughs> well, Matt, is <laughs> on, Matt is wearing the blue on Matt is wearing the blue on blue today. We told him not uh, to no. last time. Yeah, that's you. No. That's Who is not. That's you. This is That is you. Put glasses this is on the,
3: him. The what second of 3 weeks of personally attacked? That's not what a personal attack. On? That's not, not
0: offensive. What, is it the hair? I wear a hat. It just, it was kind of, it? it was, it was like hanging out and it was a little like oh. curling to the side. I was like, Jeremy from Phineas and Ferb. It's a okay. good show.
3: Okay. It is a good show.
0: It's not like a, it's, it's not a personal it. diss. Do you okay. not want to look like him? What's wrong with him? I don't know. I What's just never
3: him? have gotten that before. I'm just kind of taken aback.
0: Is there something wrong with
3: him? I, no. Is there something wrong with, I
0: don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, <stop>. Mm-hmm. Found <laughs> oh,
3: <that's laughs> I... a His hair is like highlighter yellow. Mine well, that's because okay. he's an animated character.
0: <laughs> <laughs you, you pull up the color palette famous. and you pick a color. <laughs> it's not like we can draw, like, little strands of hair on them.
2: <laughs> All right. Anyways. Anywho. Go on. Go on, go on my, my best guess, best guess go take on.
0: is we are in, like, the era of college sports where you need someone who's going to interact with the, the fans, someone who's directly in communication with the fans. And if you go to, like, the women's basketball exhibition – Um, For example, she was down, like, talking to people she knew, out in, like, the crowd talking to fans. And that's another point is we're also in the era, especially at Iowa, in which women's athletics are on twice as much of, um, I don't know, a a platform, I guess, twice as much of a platform as they have been recently. And so to to not have someone like her who, A, engages with the fans – as much as she does, and B, is a woman who experiences some of the things that these student-athletes also experience, it would be foolish not to put her in, in that position. And if she's got the guts to make the decision on behalf of the football team, the biggest moneymaker in terms of athletics in the state of Iowa, you know, I, I just think it's a no-brainer. So,
2: Right, and it, I mean, you can, like Brian, Like whether you are a former player and you love Brian, or you're a fan and you like Brian and you don't want him fired, um, you know you can also realize the offense is bad and something needs to change. Um, Both of those things can be true.
3: And anyway, I feel if he's even if he's not at Iowa, Brian's still going to get a job somewhere. I mean, as as the offensive line coach at Iowa. The Iowa's offensive line was at its best. He'll get a job somewhere, whether that be in the NFL. Another D1 school. He will find work. FedEx store. <laughs> oh wow. <okay.
2: laughs> um. No, but looking back, I mean Brian was an awesome O line coach, and looking back, I think it would have been best if he would have stayed the O line coach. But I mean, yeah, and he's I he's gonna get a job somewhere. He'll be fine. But also, I mean even as someone who thinks, you know, it was right to fire Brian. I mean, he's still a human being, and he has a family. He has kids, and so I think some people are a little crazy um, hating on him. I mean, even I, – I personally don't like when people boo at games, like, period. I don't care if it, it you're booing at a coach or at a player or fire Brian. I don't like those chants at all. I don't think that – I mean, I think – you're at the game. You're supposed to be fans. You cheer for the positives. I get if you don't like a play call or whatever, but I just, I've never been a fan of booing a team, especially because, you know, the coaches out aren't out there on the field playing the game. And so when you're booing, it's, it's the players that you're, that you're really booing and that are feeling like feeling the wrath of the fans because they're the ones that are out there. And Sometimes it's not always that the play call was bad. It's that the players didn't execute the play call well, and that's why it was a shot play. But, anyways, um, but, like, you kind of – you have to feel bad for Brian just because, um, you know, I mean, it sucks for anyone to go out that way, but, like, there was a time where Brian did a lot of – he's done a lot of great things for Iowa and the Iowa football team, and – um just because offensive coordinator hasn't really worked out for him doesn't mean you know that he hasn't done good things for Iowa so
0: Do you think they hit him with like the it's not you it's me? They hit him with something like that?
2: No, I mean I mean it I don't see here's the thing though like nothing's going to really change just cuz Brian's gone and I think I mean I think Kirk's got to go too if like the offense is going to change cuz like I said earlier it's his his offense at the end of the day and his like traditional style of football that's what Iowa has always done um and yeah and I know they they've had success doing that um but also that's just this day and age that's not that's not working anymore and like yeah you're 6 and 2 which is incredible with this bad of an offense but I don't think, I don't get being complacent with, you know, just making the Big Ten championship and getting killed or whatever. Or people are saying, I Iowa, was just not the program to make a national championship. That's just not who they are or how they play. Well, why wouldn't a team try and change to be better and, you know, be in contention for a national title and. We have to score points. The defense is not going to get us to a natty. Um, and especially with Oregon, Washington, you got all these teams coming in next year um, scoring 10 points. I mean, we scored zero against Penn State, and that was the best team we've played all year. So, I mean, we just can't compete with the powerhouses. And I don't think – even if we're 6-2, and two, like – Our offense is still bad. Even if we're winning, you can realize that the offense needs to change. All right, today we're here with Brandi Britt, the director of social media and digital for the University of Iowa Athletics. Um, She's been in the position for two years, but has worked in social media and digital for 12 years, including four years when she was a student here at Iowa. And we're super happy to have you on, Brandy.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
2: Okay, so first, um, I guess just tell the audience kind of what your day-to-day life looks like and what you exactly do in your position, because it is so new.
1: Yeah. So as you can imagine, working in sports, my day-to-day looks a little bit different depending on the season or day. Um, so I would say overall, I'm working on strategy. So we never, like I said, this position didn't exist before two years ago. Um, I was in other roles at Iowa. Um, so when I came in, I started my role and I was like, what is going to be our purpose on social? What What is our goal? What is our mission? And so setting those things. And then um, that stuff stays the same, but the way we achieve that looks a lot different depending on what's trending, what's new, what's out there. Um, so, um, adjusting to that. And then I think really at its base, what we're trying to do on social at the University of Iowa is to build a connection with our fans, our donors, our student athletes, prospective student athletes, but to build, to build, um, um a connection with our fans, and our student athletes and to make our fans or our audiences feel like they're a part of it and connected to it. Um, so at its base, that's what I'm trying to do every day.
2: Yeah. And do you have, I mean, what, I guess I'll go back to when you were a student intern, what did you do as a student intern and what was kind of like the first sport that you were in charge of?
1: Yeah. Um, so I was hired in athletic communications as an intern, Um, Steve Rowe hired me. He was the former director. Um, and, um, I, it was, you know, through a friend of a friend, classic connection that I got involved and got into that. Um, but I started out working for 10 hours a week and I was doing, um, coverage for the cross-country and track and field team so I would do their weekly releases do any media relations stuff like set up interviews things like that and then I remember back then like starting social accounts or taking over accounts from like parents who had been running them at the time because social just wasn't it was obviously around I'm not that old but in 2011 it wasn't as um important or prominent in the college setting, so taking those over, and so I would handle all the communications, the outward-facing communications revolving the track and field and cross-country teams, and then by my second semester of my freshman year, I was working the full 20 hours a student could work, and then um, by my senior year of college, I I just kind of worked my way up. Um, I was working with men's basketball with Matt Weitzel at the time. I was a secondary, and then Um, But my senior year, I was traveling with their softball team and being their primary contact. So that really set me up to get a full-time job upon graduation.
2: Yeah, and you, I mean, you're a big part of the women's basketball team. And I'm interested, you know, to hear how the coverage has changed from, like, before Caitlin was here to now and how you kind of navigate um, social media with such a big star on the team.
1: Yeah, so... um, as you can imagine, our followers have skyrocketed in the last, last few years. And so, um, I've been working with the women's basketball team, team since 2016. That's in three somewhat different roles. But, um, first was communications. I was doing, I was their full-time communications person. Second was like marketing social. And then now I'm still their social person. So, but that whole time I was still doing social media. And so, I would say my goals were still the same back then as they are now. My goal is to connect our fans to our student athletes and coaches. And so now I just have a bigger audience to do so. So I was telling this story in a couple classes last week that I was visiting. 2016, we had a senior on the team, and her name was Allie Disterhoff. You guys remember Allie Disterhoff at all? Yeah. yeah? Okay. Um, it's okay that you don't. From Iowa. <laughs> it's okay, yeah. yeah. So spent she was she was a West High grad, and she had always dreamed of being a Hawkeye. And um, she did that. She, um, she was literally on the 2014 poster as a child. She was, like, dreaming big. That was the concept of the poster back then. We still have it. Very cool. Well, she came in, and she broke the school's um, all-time scoring record. So she became the – All-time leading scorer, scored the most points in Iowa women's basketball history in 2016. There are 3,277 people at that game. So you can see that's that's not that long ago. It's 2016. (laughs) Okay. And then enter Megan Gustafson. You guys know Megan Gustafson? Cool. Good. That means I'm doing my job right. Okay. (laughs) Um, The 2019 National Player of the Year. Um, People were really attached to Megan, and you could start to see, like, people – want Interested in women's basketball, right? Because of Megan and um the connection that she had, and she was so authentic. She just didn't know she was that good, you know. So I think I still think she's that way. She's playing the WNBA. She doesn't know how good she is. Um, and so I was covering Megan, and I was running a national player of the year campaign, and um you could see the momentum building for women's basketball. But at her jersey retirement, the year after she graduated, there were thirteen thousand four hundred and twenty fans in carver Hawk Arena for her jersey retirement. At the time, that's the second most fans um, in the Bluter era, right? Now, fast forward to October 15th, there are 55,464 people in Kinnick Stadium to watch women's basketball. And so I think that magnitude shows you what we're dealing with in and, and Caitlin Clark, but also a program that people feel connected to. And so, um, yeah, Caitlin brings a lot of stardom. She's transcendent and she's poised for the moment. I think she's built for the moment. <laughs> Truly, she gets it, um, but it's again at its base. I just want people to feel connected to Caitlin Clark, and I want people to feel connected with Coach Bluter, and Kate Martin, and Gabby Marshall, and Hannah Stolky, and the list goes on and on. Um, because it, the team is more than than Caitlin Clark, right? It's it's the Iowa women's basketball team, and I think people are coming and they're viewing it to watch Caitlin, but they're staying to watch the team, and that's something I'm proud of.
2: What were the emotions like for you during crossover at Kinnick? Just because you've been there from when there wasn't a lot of fans to now.
1: Yeah, great question. Um, I cried a lot that day, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, just all good, all good tears. Um, I think if you would have asked me 12 years ago when I saw a picture of crossover at Kinnick, if that 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 would be 55,000 people watching women's basketball. I'd been like, no, that that couldn't have happened, right? That couldn't have happened. And so as a woman in a male dominated field, I am so proud of what our women's team has been able to accomplish. And I'm proud of like Iowa fans for hopping fully on board because it's not about one player can bring, can shine a lot of light on the whole team. And that's what's happening. Caitlin's light shines on the whole team. And then that makes now a whole sport rise. And that is so powerful. And so I just was so grateful and just giddy and like seeing the look on Coach Bluter's face when she took the field is something I'll never forget because she's worked her whole life in the state of Iowa coaching women's basketball and to just like have it be built up to that moment is so surreal.
2: Were you there this morning when Lisa walked in in the Barbie costume? What do you what do you know about that?
1: Um, so it was actually um, is yesterday morning, but we kind of picked okay. it, okay? okay. Um, <laughs> because they have practice at eight a.m. on Tuesday, so it just was like too early to get all okay. done up in a Barbie costume, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I got a text uh, from Jan Jensen, our associate head coach, and she's like, "Hey." quick change up, Bluter's going to dress up for Halloween today. So we know it's coming. She dresses up every year. She's so, so funny but I didn't know she was going to be Barbie. Um, I couldn't be there. I was at a meeting but I got sent the video like immediately and I just, oh gosh, it's so funny. Just her like persona walking in kills me. So, yeah.
3: Then, what are some other you know, creative social media posts you've seen from Iowa while you've been here?
1: Mmm. Posts specifically? Um... I think what we've been able to do on the men's basketball account the last couple years has been good. Um, I feel like we kind of shifted that a little bit from um, like a more stat focused page to now it's more creative content. I'm really proud of our video, full time video person, Matt. He kind of ideated and executed those. Um, like player get to knows of all of our freshmen, um, and newcomers and they're going to be a big part of this team. So it's really important for us to like, these are who these people are. Here's Brock Harding, here's Owen Freeman, you know, um, telling people about them. So I like those types of things. I really enjoy, um, when you can show the personality, one of my favorite photos ever that I've ever posted. I don't know exactly who took it, but, um, it was uh, Coach Ferenc, um celebrating at the Music City Bowl, and he's hugging. There's two of them. One, he's hugging Jack Campbell, and then the other one, he's hugging Riley Moss. And um, just the emotion in that photo, it's like, oh, it's bigger than the sport, right? It's bigger than what's happening on the field. Like, this means something um, to our players and our coaches. And, and then just to see them succeed at the next level is really, really rewarding to us. So those are just examples in the last, like, I don't know, a couple of months, but it's hard to, hard to think about in terms of years.
3: How do you build those connections between athletes and coaches with fans in a sport where there may not be that star face like Caitlin Clark?
1: Yeah, I think, um, thinking outside the box is really important. Um, so more than just covering the game, like my game day might be the time where I have the most views on our page, right. Or the most eyeballs on it, but Knowing um, the off season is a really good time to build connection and and dig a little bit deeper and finding out um, who's on that team and what's important to them or did an athlete go somewhere for the summer and participate in an internship and how did that impact them and I think the key is um, the relationships that I build with them myself um, are both our, with both our student athletes and coaches I think. Um, and again, it's not just me. I don't post on every account, right? Myself, but, um, our, our external unit, um, which is made up of marketing, communications, video, photo, graphic design, um, all of us together, if we can create genuine connections with our student athletes and coaches, then that means our content is going to be more authentic, right? Because I know who they are, they know who I am, and now I can present them or our office can present them in a way that's real. That's what I think is the key to what we're doing.
3: And what are some, like, interesting stuff and, like, fun facts you found out about student-athletes?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I think some of my favorite times are the student-athletes that have had interned for me. Um okay. Kathleen Doyle, uh, she was a big time player of the year in 2020, um, she interned for me for a few years in communications, um, she's a really great writer, um, she's a really creative mind, so I really enjoyed that, Kate Martin was an intern in our office, um, she was she was the market a marketing intern. and so seeing Kate like go out and like work a field hockey game was like really fun and rewarding, you know, just to see her out of like her element or like fans come up and be like, "Are you Kate Martin?" She's like, yeah, <laughs> um so that was fun. Um, we've had other uh, like other student athletes um, do that as well, I think. One of my favorite things is when a student athlete has a dog, and they're like, can I bring them to the photo shoot? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. Like, please bring them to the photo shoot. I um, want to see a dog. The wrestlers have a snake. Um, that wasn't as fun for me to see at the photo shoot. <laughs> Don't like snakes. but um, So picture me, like, absolutely freaking out in front of, like, Spencer Lee, like, all-American, greatest, like, wrestler in Iowa. Like, you know, like, I'm just – panicking holding a snake and he's like cool common collective I'm like "God, get it together Brandy like you know stuff like that seeing their personalities fun
0: so I understand there's a documentary coming out on the women's basketball team can you tell us as much as you can about that
1: yeah and I can tell you about it today because we're gonna tease it today but um (laughs) um but yeah it is um it's I think right now it's like 55 05 50 minutes long um and it's just an inside in-depth look at the season and so We go through some early games, some um, mid-season games. One that sticks out is, like, at Ohio State. They were undefeated at the time. We went there, got the win there. Um, What I think really stands out about this documentary is the access that we have on the team. Um, So, like, Coach Bluter. I think, again, all relationships that we've built with myself, our photographer, our videographer, have just built those connections. And so... Um, they trust us. It's like when Zach's recording in the locker room, it's like, yep, it's going to be okay. So, um, some really cool, like pregame moments. There's like a little pregame film before the South Carolina game that showed there's postgame locker room footage after the LSU loss, like, um, very behind the scenes. Like, I think you'll feel really connected to the team. And our idea was like, obviously to capture and kind of make this like the last, like the last bow that we're going to tie on last season, and it's coming out before their first official game right before we're moving on, but we felt it was really, really important to um, document the, the ride and to interview the starting five and to get their perspective and get Bluter, Coach Bluter's perspective or I think the most emotional part of it is um, Jane Jensen's interview talking about um, the loss of her father before our Louisville game. So I definitely cried multiple times watching it. Um, <laughs> you probably will too. Um, yeah. I'm. And shout-out to our video producer, Zach, who spent all summer, quite literally all summer working on this, um, and our other video staffers, Dalton Conrad is our director of video, and um, Caleb Saunders has done the graphics for it all. So just a really big collaborative effort um, to do this.
0: So how did that that come through with the big 10 network? I know that they picked it up to show it, right?
1: Um, so no, so not yet. Um, we will send it to big 10 and our hope is that they will put it on air. Um, but yeah, um, we'll see. I I think it's, it's pretty good. So I would, I would expect it to be.
2: Um, so like did you guys before last season plan to do this documentary or when they started, you know, when you realized the season was going to be special, that's when you kind of realize you should put it, put one together.
1: Yeah. I think before the season, uh, Zach was like, I want to make like a last dance type of documentary, you know? And he's like, we have Caitlin Clark on our team. Like what other time to do that? Um, what better time to do that? And so there was always like a thought in mind, but I wouldn't say the end product was in mind. It was just, it was just like, we're going to cover the best we can. And that's, that's a shout out to Zach, right? Like, I'm thinking in a moment for social media a lot of times, and I'm like, oh, give me that post-game reaction right now. I want that locker room celebration right now. And Zach had the forethought to be like, I'm going to get in the locker room before the game and get the pre-game speech, and then I'm going to get the post-game speech, and then I'm going to get the game footage. You know what I'm saying? So um, he's a really good storyteller. I think that's his strong suit, and so I think he had a lot of – he's why this is happening, quite honestly, Um, and, again, the connection that he's built. So – um kind of both, right? Like we thought we'd want to do something special with it. We'd want to tell the story, but I don't think we could have pictured the ending or being at the Final Four and not that we didn't think the team could get there, but just like, gosh, what a whirlwind experience that was.
0: So I know um like the the premise of your job is to promote uh the the benefits and the positives of Iowa athletics. And so when things do get controversial within the athletics department. How do you kind of mitigate that?
1: Yeah, I mean, my job is to tell our story, right? And my job is to not. Um, I think the let's let's talk about the coop the Cooper DeGene like punt right, uh, punt return. Like, me posting about that in the moment isn't going to do anything positive for our university, and that's what I'm trying to do is be positive for our university, right? Like, the media is going to pick that up, the fans are going to be talking about it. Nothing I i'm gonna put out is gonna like it's like people aren't gonna not talk about it because i didn't post about it right it's gonna be posted about so um i think just having the wherewithal of like when to jump on things when not to um and i have a lot of trust like there's not people that like people don't stand over me and be like post this post don't post that right like these are because i've built relationships those are what I bat, like lean on, and so when I'm deciding what to post and what not to post, it's like, well, what's the benefit? What's the positive? What's the negatives? Weighing the outcomes, and a lot of times in social, you're doing that on the fly, right? Like, is this going to be a good thing? Is it going to be a bad thing? What do I do? You know, so I'm not saying that we get it right all the time. Um, we're humans, but... Yeah, I think, again, really, I think my job goes back to relationships 99.9% of the time. Um, there's logic in it, but, like, it's knowing the people involved and who you're, who you're talking about and how it's going to affect them positively or negatively.
0: So is there ever, like, any uh, or uh, ever a moment where you're thinking about posting something and you decide not to because it's going to have some sort of negative repercussion? Like, how often does that happen?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot. I think uh, thinking about how to phrase things. Um, I will say like our fan base has a tendency to be negative at times. Granted, I'm going to say that with, I think the positive severely outweighs the negative. I really, really do in our, in terms of our fan base. Sometimes just, just when I'm in the comments, the negative seems to speak louder to me. Right. So you see it more, but there are things like, I'm not gonna, I'm going to phrase things a certain way because that's going to be better for the delivery. It's all, it's PR at the end of the day, right? I'm grateful for my start in communications because I think it gave me that framework for what I do. Um, so yeah, I think you have to make decisions on the fly all the time. And there are times where it's like, I'm a fan at the end of the day, right? Like I, I came to school here. I never left. (laughs) I worked in athletics the whole time. I want our teams to win so badly, and when we don't, it's like, God, it's, like, crushing. Like, it, you know, but I know that, like, whatever I'm feeling, it's ten times worse, hundred times worse for our student-athletes, coaches, all that. And so putting myself in that mindset. Sometimes I would like to have, like, a burner account and say what I want, like, you know, to our fans. But <laughs> um, I just think uh, it's really an unforgiving business. Um, college athletics and our student-athletes and coaches are put under immense pressure all the time. And so... I want to protect them, but I know that I can't in all situations. But that being said, I'm going to do everything I can to paint them in the best light possible because I think they've earned that, you know?
0: So do you ever feel that kind of pressure nowadays where it's like 50 years ago it would have been a newspaper and word of mouth that's connecting the fans to the sport, and now it's social media. It's exactly Mm -hmm. what you're doing. Do you ever feel that kind of pressure to keep the positive light going the other way and keep the fans coming in?
1: Yeah, I think there is pressure, but I also think that's what an opportunity, you know? And um, that is what keeps you going and that's what keeps you excited every day is coming in and being like, I can like put Iowa's like, best foot forward today. Granted, I understand that I'm just a human being and I'm a flawed human being and I'm not always going to make the right mistakes. I think the toughest part about working in social media And I think this kind of goes for all of our external office, communications, marketing, all that stuff. You could always be doing more. You know what I'm saying? Like, I could always get one more post out. I could always um, be a little bit better on my Instagram story. I could always promote student athlete for National Player of the Year more, right? But it's like, I have to create boundaries, otherwise that's not a good way to live. And so... Yeah, I think that there are things where I'm always thinking like, gosh, I should have posted this or I could have painted this person better. or Maybe it's like a football game. Where it's like, oh, I should have shouted out this person a little bit more. I should have given a little bit more credit, right? Like um, that happens constantly, but you have to flush it. It's like similar to on the field where like coaches and athletes are like, next play, next play mentality. That's what you have to have in social. Otherwise, you're just going to like live in this doubt. And if I'm doubting myself, I'm going to just be like – i don't know stuck in a way to put like you know there's no time for doubt it's like have confidence in yourself have confidence in like the work you've put in and the preparation that you do and then execute it's very similar to like on the field things i think
0: and i know tiktok and as a whole is going off for everyone for the last handful of years iowa athletics football had the account is what i understand and it's no more um I guess what what do you what do you like about TikTok? How how would you see TikTok as a whole benefiting the program, even if considering political circumstances, um, there can't be an account.
1: Yeah, so we had a main athletics channel. Okay. Um, I think it was like Iowa Hawkeyes official or something was the handle. Um, it was really starting to pop off. Was really proud of the stuff we were doing on there, and then our government said we could ha- we couldn't have it anymore. So we had to like, it's still a, like an act. live account which is not active is what I would say so you could search it but it's not it's not active um there is like um an account right now that's called the official football account it's not the official football account that PSA like it's not ours um people are stealing our account um so take that for what you will but um I think TikTok um its algorithm is like nothing I've ever seen (laughs) the fact that I can have TikTok and you three could have TikTok in this room and we could be watching it for an hour and not see a single one of the same video is crazy. Right. And so, um, I just respect that algorithm so much cause it's just so catered to me and it feels like it's like you're so connected to the app because it's so personally made for you and your algorithm. So I think that's really cool. And like the future in a lot of ways. Right. Um, and then it's like how do you break into the algorithm across the board and how do you, how do I connect you, how do I connect the four of us, right, and we're all seeing that, the Iowa Hawkeyes content. That's what you're trying to do when we had a TikTok. So, um, yeah, I, I think TikTok's cool. I think it is kind of the future of connection um, just because they have that algorithm down.
0: Have you done, like, anything on other platforms to try and compensate for TikTok? I know – like a lot of things that you that people post on TikTok, like I see professional teams, I think the Chiefs did like shut out your uh, college team, like mm-hmm. things like that, or like finish the lyric, I saw the Nets do that. Is there anything you try and put on X now or Instagram mm-hmm. that tries to compensate for what would be popular on TikTok?
1: Yeah, I think we have poured a little bit more into reels. Um, our video team has really shifted over the last few years and that's no disrespect to who was here before. It's just like, shifted in a new creative way and so I would put our video team on par with the best in the country in terms of college athletics so um and now we have a team that's like really committed to doing what's best on social practices so like making a 9 by 16 video that looks good on a reel and so we poured into reels and had a lot of success there um and um, I like that you can use popular music on Instagram because you can tie that. You know We can't do that on X or Facebook. and um, So, yeah, I, I think we've poured into inst- uh, yeah, Instagram Reels a lot. I think Instagram's a really sweet spot for us because um, one of our target audiences is potential student-athletes or recruits and as well as our current student-athletes, and we know that that's the account that we have that they're primarily on. So um, Instagram has been a very um, big focus for us the last two years
3: cool and then going off that how does your content differ based on like the target audience as you mentioned student prospective student athletes or you know on Facebook just a lot of older people like how does that change
1: yeah um so I would say our um captions change a little bit for that um so we um so maybe I'm going with a more trendy caption on um you know, it'll always be Twitter in my heart. So, on Twitter, um, <laughs> maybe we're doing a little a more trendy caption on Twitter and Instagram. And maybe I'm going to, like, choose a different way to phrase that on, on Facebook. I think um, I post a little bit more. Um, uh, there's more text on Facebook because the audience will read it. Longer videos perform better on Facebook. Um, there's things that I just know the Facebook audience really love. Or, like, this is a good example, like, media day transcripts. I'm not really going to post those on Twitter or I'm definitely not going to post on Instagram, right? But like our Facebook audience will click on a transcript and probably read it, right? Because that's the news that they're used to. So kind of a good example in that realm. Um, A lot of the content is similar, but it's maybe just shifted in a way or maybe the the aspect ratio of the content is different to make it uh, more visible, but...
3: And then you've talked, uh, you mentioned earlier about National Player of the Year campaigns. What's that process like for you?
1: Yeah, um, it starts early in the season, like earlier than you would think. Um, uh, Caitlin, for example, like we knew her freshman year, she was going to be special. And so you had to kind of think about how you're going to put her out in the limelight. And so I think I did a lot of learning and growing when Megan Gustafson was here and Her sophomore season, she led the country in shooting percentage, and no one was talking about her. And it was like, okay, that's an issue. How do I change that? And so, I think we rely on local media a lot. Like, the DI is always there. I appreciate that. Like, at every game, covering every sport that we have. Like, that is so valuable. (laughs) And... Um. Yeah. Shameless plug. Um. But like, <laughs> that's really valuable, and I and I, I mean that seriously. Because when people come to cover our games, like a national broadcast comes to cover cover our games, they're asking for clips or they're asking for story links, and we'll send them you guys stuff all the time. Right. Um. I think we have really good coverage from the Gazette, the Des Moines Register, the the Press Citizen. Um. Far and away, I think our local media coverage is the best in the Big Ten. Specifically, speaking for women's basketball, like, we have way more coverage than any other Big Ten school I've seen. And so, um, but I think that goes for all sports. So, I think, like, it starts locally. Like, our local reporters writing about how good Megan Gustafson is and how transcendent she was and, like, giving them – the information they needed to start writing it helps and then once it's in your local media and it's in that beat every day of the week then it can go to our national audiences and you can kind of build on that and then for social I realized I had to get a bit cocky like you like if you're confident you have to be confident right so it's like I remember posting things like um she the national player of the year yeah and then like posting like the stats like just like this is undisputable, right? Um, and then it felt like, again, no one was listening her junior year, and I couldn't get people on board. And then there was, you know, a basketball player named Sabrina Ionescu and who's pretty darn good, and so she was going up against Megan, and I was like, gosh, like, how am I supposed to compete with Oregon who has, like, you know, this, like, big market, and um, it felt like no one was paying attention to Iowa. So I'd call national media and be like, hey, have you heard of Megan Gustafson? Or um, I remember um, Jay Billis was like, um, plugging his top women's basketball players that year and Megan wasn't on it and I'd be like I'd email ESPN and be like hey I'd urge you to consider Megan Gustafson next time and just be like confident in that Um, so I think that's where it started and then so the connections I built on Megan's tour have only helped me for Caitlin's right Um. so it's like now I have the context I have the people that I need to help. And then our communications person, his name's Bailey. He's been really good at building those connections too. And so calling the right people, knowing, giving our the voters for those awards the right information. Um, and then obviously good social numbers do wonders. So um, making sure we're putting the best content out there possible.
0: So right now you have Caitlin Clark before that, mm-hmm. you had Keegan Murray before him, you had Luca Garza before him, you had... Megan Gustafson, relatively. Yep. Who do you think is coming after Caitlin Clark in any sport?
1: Oh, gosh. That's a good question. Um, I'd keep my eye on H- Hannah Stalky. I think she's really incredible. Um, um, I'm really excited about our men's basketball team this season. I feel like um, – they're a bit under the radar and they don't have that star player like like uh to the news like it's like who's gonna be the star right they have a lot of good pieces but who's gonna be the star so i don't know i don't know who's gonna emerge out of that but i know that i was at their game last night and i was really really there was a lineup and it was all freshmen and a sophomore out there and they were playing really good and really fun basketball to watch so i'm excited for a good like um team basketball that they can produce um I would watch out for our field hockey team. I think they're pretty great, um, year in year out. Um, I don't. Yeah, that's a hard question. I, but I would. I'd keep my eye on some of those. Um, and then, I mean, we have this guy named Cooper DeGene on our football team, and I think he's pretty incredible. So, um, Cooper for Heisman, I guess. <laughs>
3: Have there been no thoughts about Tory Taylor for Heisman? Yeah, that's true. That I funny? mean,
1: obviously, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I think no other place in the country could I post about the punter and it go off like it does here in Tori Taylor or when the starting lineups are announced and it's like the biggest cheer in the crowd. <laughs> um, um, yeah, Tory Ta- Taylor is a man of the people for sure.
3: <laughs> and then going back, you've mentioned this a lot while we've been talking to you, but you said building those connections between athletes and, with athletes and coaches are the most important. How do you do that?
1: Yeah. I, I'm just me to be honest with you. There's no secret, secret sauce. Um, it's just like going in and being authentic. I, that's my buzzword. I've said it probably, I might've said it a million times. I don't know. Um, if I'm authentically me, that allows people I'm talking to, to be authentically themselves. So what I'm saying is like authenticity produces authenticity. And so, um, I'm not flashy. I I love sports. I love the Hawkeyes. I want to put my best foot forward, and I want what's best for our coaches and student athletes. That's what they should know and see from me when they when they meet me. And so, I try to preach that to all of our student interns. Like you're good. Like you're good enough on your own. Like you are in this position. You're uniquely positioned for where you're at. So, um, yeah, I really think it's just authenticity.
2: Um, I was gonna ask, like, about you know how the national media um, is so into, like, Iowa women's basketball right now because of Caitlin Clark. And, like, um, I don't know if it was you that told me this, but, like, there were so many, like, national media, um, you know, outlets that wanted to come to Iowa women's basketball and, like, you had to deny a lot. I mean, what just what's that like right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, crossover at Kaitlyn, you only have so many baseline spots, right? Like, you'd only have – so many spots every women's basketball game this season is sold out that means our media crew is like pretty full um again that bailey deals a lot with that bailey turner um he does a great job with it um it's yeah it's a lot of you gotta you gotta pick and choose and you gotta be fair and um i think we we definitely value our local reporters so the people who are covering our team every day should like for sure get a seat right um And then balancing that with your ESPNs, your CBSs, your, um, you know, whatever outlet it is, um, you got to balance it for sure. Um, yeah, so what a, what a unique and great position to be in where you're like, I don't have enough seats today or I have a seat in press row, but I don't have a baseline seat for you to shoot type thing. So also I think a big part of our job in external relations is helping, um, facilitate that. So, Um, a lot of times we'll send content to ESPN to, you know, whatever it is. Like we'll pass along content. We're happy to do that because it's just the growth of our program. So, um, yeah, I think we've, it's a media is like something that we're constantly feeding and then they're feeding us. It's a mutually beneficial relationship for sure.
3: And speaking of ESPN, did they ever get back to you when you talked to them about Megan Guthrie?
1: Yeah, I got an email back and they're like, yeah, we understand that. Um, the, the answer is always like. Um, these are the people that everyone's talking about. And my response was like, well, people should be talking about Megan <sighs> and Gustafson, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, you just gotta be calm. It's like out of your comfort zone, right? I don't like to stir the pot, like, you know, but it's like, for me, if I'm gonna, I won't stand up for myself a lot of the times, but I'll sure as heck stand up for someone else and I'll go to bat for someone else. Um, so that's kind of what I had to do in that situation. And it is what it is.
3: Yeah. I'm sure ESPN gets back to you now.
1: Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Because they want my content. Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) Okay, well, thanks so much, Brandy, again, for coming on. We really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. appreciate what you guys do. Keep it up.
3: All right. um, Then Another thing from uh, Kirk Rance's press conference, obviously all to talk about the future, if he was going to return or not. He was very adamant about just focusing on the next four games that Iowa has on schedule, and the first of those four is Northwestern. I mean, uh, Kirk was complimentary of, of, the, of the Wildcats, um, especially against in their previous game against Maryland. Um, Northwestern up seven in the fourth quarter. Maryland had the ball at the goal line. Northwestern gets three straight stops at the goal line, forces a field goal, and then takes the ball and drives, then takes the ball, drives it 77 yards down the field for a field goal to basically put the, put the game away. So, I mean, obviously, Northwestern, beginning of the season, they had their turmoil um, with their former head coach, uh, Pat Fitzgerald, but it, feel, it feels like they've moved past that um, nicely. And, yeah, I mean, at Iowa, this point in the season, they can't be taking any po- any opponent lightly.
0: Where are we going to sit for the Northwestern game? Are we going to be like, like, can we get like the, I want the 2K cam. I don't want what? like I'm the, wait, no, we're going to get the 2K cam. Oh, no. No, I want the two K cam
3: at Wrigley. What is the two K cam? Yeah, you're not you're me. not well versed. I don't play two K. I'm no, kidding, but like for actual basketball, the
0: way camp. it works, <laughs> the way it works is like usually you're looking at it from like the the length of the court, so you're behind the um, offense moving forward. You know what I'm saying? So like the the length of the court is this way, the width is this way. You're looking at it from this way, like you're looking down the length. That's the way that Wrigley field the that's what the way the field looked set up at Northwestern was it was going like the field was almost like going down like the first base first base line
3: The field's set up already? Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. So wait, it's not just in the it's not in, in the outfield it's in the infield too? Or where is it I wait? thought so.
0: What? Unless Shirt-fish I saw a, unless I saw a poor angle. What? Has Northwestern played at Wrigley played at Wrigley before? I have no idea. Look it up. Well, I sorted this out. I saw it on Twitter and it looked like it was going along the first base line.
3: So you're telling me like close to have, the first base So we're gonna have like Oakland Raiders. are gonna have dirt on the field.
0: It, it, Please, I think so. You'd you'd have to look it up. I I, I don't know. Um.
3: Yeah. It looks like yeah. It's see that? Yeah. And yeah. they took like the dirt, out, the dirt or out or something. Oh, I wanted the dirt there.
0: Come yeah. On. See, so uh, you've got to imagine so, the the press box is right uh, over the like the Wrigley Field right. sign. Like it's like, like it's like oh yeah, directly no, it's north
3: behind home plate that's where in the press box. Yeah, so
0: we're not even getting a 2K cam. We're just getting a Yeah, we'll just see. We're just getting an angle. That's kind of brutal. Why would yeah. they do that? Hmm. Why wouldn't they rotate it like this? You know what I'm saying? So it's running the width of your yeah, it's yeah, running from like left field to right field. Yeah. Why would they, they not they, do that? I don't
3: know. Maybe be too far away for fans or I don't know. Well, I mean
2: one thing that's weird about all this is that Iowa and Northwestern are going to share a sideline. Oh, they actually? Are? Yes, Kirk confirmed that today. Cuz that's when he was talking about the sign stealing and stuff. Huh. Oh yeah. And yeah, yeah. how Yeah, because I mean, subbing players and just sign sign like calling out plays and all that, that's going to be different. I've never seen teams share the same sideline. I don't know about y'all.
3: Yeah, Connor Stallions can blend in pretty easily. Uh-huh. He glad. won't. He won't need to
0: steal any signs <laughs> for either of these teams. They can just play football. They I'm can lost. just play. Uh, they can. What they're gonna. What would. What oh Michigan boy. would do against Iowa or yeah. Northwestern is they would pick the ball up. The JJ McCarthy would pick the ball up and he'd turn to his players and he'd flip the ball over and start drawing on it like with his finger. Yeah. And then they'd be like, "Okay, I got it." And then he would go up and he'd just hold it. There wouldn't even be a center. He would just hit the ball and then do a three-step drop. And they'd know they'd be running like a post and like a five and in, like maybe like a curl route. Someone's gonna be running a fly. That's what they need. That's and they would beat Iowa and Northwestern playing that way.
3: Well, if those if these two teams Iowa and Northwestern ever find the end zone, thankfully there will be two of them. You know, back in the back in the day or in the past uh, with baseball stadiums, sometimes they've only played with one end zone. So the offense, it's that would be so weird. Meet with Iowa. They can get a pick six. Where Where would they go? You know?
2: Yeah that that just feels (laughs) wrong.
3: Yeah, that shouldn't be allowed. This is gonna
2: be like a home game for Iowa, though.
3: Oh yeah, Yeah, the stands will be clad in black and yellow.
2: I mean, I've been to Northwestern a couple times, and their fans just don't show up. Um, And even though this is, I don't know, maybe a more like a cooler, more historic venue or whatever. I mean, Iowa fans travel really well, so more than guaranteed rate, but yeah. Facts. They, they, go ahead.
3: Okay, I'm just saying. For once, actually, with all these Iowa fans at Wrigley Field, there will be real fans at Wrigley Field. Just it's it's great to see. You know, all those Cubs fans out there sitting in the outfield, having a beer, t- chatting yeah. up their friends, not paying attention to the game. You yeah, know, it's about time we see some change. Yeah,
0: and with Iowa there, it'll be the first. Uh, it won't be the first time that there's been a winning team in in the baseball stadium, which would be rare if they were to go to Guaranteed Rate, wouldn't it? He doesn't know hey, what to say uh, hey, because at the end of the wow. day, when you pull up the standings, unfa- you pull up the you statistics, pull up the standings
3: and they both missed the playoffs. They don't lie. Both both missed the playoffs. That's
0: fine. When was your last World Series?
3: 2005. Okay, okay. That 2000, that 2005 team. I'm gonna get in my soapbox here. That 2005 team was the best postseason team of all time. They lost once wow. in the ALCS. Four straight complete games by pitchers. Nine innings. All four straight complete games by pitchers. They only lost once. They swept the World Series, the greatest postseason team. And they, I actually against the Astros that World Series. They were never losing at any point during that series.
0: You were like
2: a year old,
0: six months old. So
3: the anniversary of that win was like a few days ago. Don't ruin this for me, please. I could very well ruin Don't. it for you.
0: The White Sox are a poverty franchise. They need to sell Guaranteed Rate Field. They need to tear it down. And they need to relocate the Chicago White Sox. Actually, no. Where? Don't yeah, even where relocate where? 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 them. What? Just eradicate the franchise. Demolish. With guaranteed rate field. Poverty franchise.
3: We need to move on here. Yeah, yeah. all right. About
2: um, Kirk did say today that Deacon Hill is still the number one QB. He said there is a clear one, two, and three.
3: That is asinine. That, mm. it, that makes I'm no sense. He I'm was talking about ball security, one, two, all press conference. You look at Deacon Hill, three turnovers the last game. How how does that compete? Who's the three?
2: Uh, Marco Lenis, he's a true Who freshman. That? Who? <laughs> Who? <laughs> <laughs> no. I but, want
0: Cooper Dejean. QB one.
2: How 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 bad does Joey Labis have to be? Like I'm I'm being serious right now. I mean, we saw him play against Kentucky, but like I – if if Deacon, like, turns the ball over first quarter, I don't know. I just – practice is different than games because they always said Spencer Petrus was awesome in practice. practice. That's not the game. Not the like, game.
3: <laughs> we talk about practice? We <laughs> talk about practice?
2: Practice is – I mean, you know, the O-line apparently does really great in practice and, you know, they've gotten a lot better this season. But – Practice is not the same as games, and you don't know how Joey Labis will perform until you put him in there. And they they just aren't even giving him a shot at all.
3: But how can you judge ball security in practice when Deacon Hill doesn't get touched? It's not like he's getting sacked out no, there, exactly,
2: right? Like, and when he has gone out there, he has turned the ball over. So, and that really cost Iowa. That was right. in that was in in Minnesota. Territory it, and weren't they both
0: in Minnesota, territory? yeah,
2: so it's just that that stuff that yeah. stuff can't happen, and i mean i don't I don't know what what would be the the uh, you know thing that would make them make a change. I'm not sure, but i mean i I said it before I said I don't think they're gonna change out Deacon Hill, and that's that's what it looks like right now, still they're not going to change out Deacon Hill. I do think Deacon Hill well, – I know Deacon Hill can play better than he has. That's for sure. But it's just like you got you to gotta show that. Otherwise, you know, what's what are we doing here?
3: Yeah, the bye week would have been the perfect time to make a change. But, I mean, how worse does he have to be for him to make a change, you know? Like is it going to take another loss? I would, I would hope not. Like, you know, any is there a chance, you know, like a halftime change? Will that ever happen? That's crazy.
0: We have like, uh, I'm trying to think, like two NFL, not two NFL teams. Uh, who was it? It was Ohio State, right? Who had um, Kyle McCord and who's the second string? Oh, okay. And they were the like duking it out yeah. all the way up until like the first game. Mm-hmm. We have that on like a very impoverished level <laughs> between like Joe Abbas and Deacon Hill. Mm-hmm. And we don't have Marvin Harrison Jr. I continue to shout out Marvin Harrison Jr. He's a dog. And he he gave Wisconsin a good a good run, which is which I love to see. I'll never I'll never shout Wisconsin out. So Northwestern Uh, has
3: the thirteenth is is like second to last in the big ten in rushing defense. So if anything, this is the chance. Caleb Caleb Johnson, Jasmine Patterson, LaShawn Williams, have a day. We don't I don't want to see point four rushing yards per attempt again.
2: That's pathetic.
3: Gosh,
0: this game is going to be brutal. I thought Minnesota was bad. This one might be worse.
3: Yeah. Hey, maybe Harry no. Carey, uh, uh, the, uh, the hologram of Harry Carey, can you take me out to the ball game in the third quarter. Have some fun. I will not be participating in that. Actually, Harry Carey was, was with the White Sox, actually, fun fact. Um,
2: All right, score predictions? Is he, d- is he
0: done yapping over here? <laughs>
2: All right. you. <laughs> There's hundred and four <laughs> days <laughs> summer vacation
0: um I'm gonna go
3: they put up a good a good fight against Maryland. what they put like thirty three on for them? context I was favored by five last time I checked over under twenty nine
2: But mm. that is the lowest <laughs> the lowest point total in college football history v t dubs I'm
0: not surprised I'm gonna go. Northwestern, ten. Iowa, mm, twenty-four. Twenty-four
3: to ten. That's no. The change folks. has That's been Nova made. Folks. Okay. The, sh- the, sh-
0: the change has been made. Deacon Hill, three hundred passing yards, <laughs> two touchdowns, five interceptions, three fumbles. <laughs> Joe Labis gets it, book it. Joe Labis gets one throw at the end. Just because Deacon Hill, like, fell on his arm funny. But Deacon's good, so he goes in the next snap. Okay. 24-10.
2: I'm going 10-3 Iowa.
0: Oh, my God. That hurts. (laughs) I pray it's not not 10-3.
3: No, there's going to be a distraction with Iowa this week with um, Brian, but I think the players block it out. I think Iowa doesn't cover. It's going to be... Ten to six, Iowa. Oh my god!
0: I I really hope both of you are wrong. One touchdown, all field goals. Oh. Yeah. Yes.
3: Yes. For, this may happen for four Iowa hours. football, baby. <laughs> this, oh. this may happen. Let I me mean, get some snow in the forecast too, maybe. Oh, just Lord. maybe.
0: They better put me inside. I. Uh, they better get me up in that press box. There better be some good food too. <laughs> I wouldn't, Gu- guaranteed guaranteed. Re- so- so- I wouldn't count on it. I wouldn't count on it. Guaranteed field, that's the best. has the best food. We better have
2: some Chicago dogs.
3: Hot dogs are Disgusting.
2: All right. Anyway, bye.
0: So bye, everyone. <laughs> so are the White Sox.
3: And that's it for this week's Press Box Banter. We'll see you next week.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pressbox Banter. This episode was hosted by Kenna Roaring, Colin Voxmeyer, and Matt McGowan, and produced by Natalie Dunlap.